Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckman, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 945, and our Spanish service begins at 9 a.m. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in throughout the week, including youth group and children's quizzing. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone to encounter God with people just like you desiring to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Yes, we do welcome you once again to our podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. This week's message is part of our sermon series entitled Joy, and it comes from the book of Philippians and is entitled Joy and Suffering, where we discuss the proper perspective that Paul gives us in understanding how joy and suffering work together. Once again, thank you for listening. This morning, I want to share this message um, as I was um, thinking from last week as we uh, celebrated the life of, of Jesus uh, through Easter. Um, my heart, my prayer was, well, what do we, what do we talk about next? Where do we go next? What is it that, that God would want, want to do? And so I was drawn to, to the book of Philippians. And um, there are several themes that are found in the book of Philippians. There's several opportunities for us to, to see uh, what Paul was trying to communicate to this, this young church, to this church that he loved dearly. Um, and so there's several themes throughout the book of, of Philippians that, that I was drawn to, but one in particular, and it's not often talked about, but, but it's definitely there. And it's, uh, Paul has this, um, this message of joy that, that is found in, in a few different sections. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about joy. Uh, based in the book of Philippians. And, and this morning, we're going to be talking about joy and suffering. Um, and this will be focused on Philippians chapter 1. Um, and, and that's kind of a, an oxymoron when we actually think about that joy and suffering. Um, I know when things are hard and difficult, like this morning, um, I did not find much joy in the things that were happening this morning. And my family... Hopefully you won't talk to them because they'll probably tell you how much of a grump I was and uh, probably was short with them, even though it wasn't their fault in any way. And so I'm going to publicly apologize to them for this morning um, for the way that things happened. And I, it's just, that's what happens sometimes. And in difficulty, in times of stress, uh, it's difficult to find joy. So this was a very real um, analogy for me this morning in a very real application, even. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about a few different things as far as finding joy in suffering. Now, we understand that in suffering, God allows different things to happen in our lives to bring us to a point that helps us become more like Him. The invitation in those times is to draw closer to Jesus is to allow him um, to reveal the areas in our hearts and in our lives where um, too much of ourself remains. And so this morning, as we begin, we're going to 
like I said, focus on chapter one. Um, but we're going to focus on a few different verses here. So we're going to start in Philippians 1, chapter 3, or Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So here we see that, that Paul is trying to get us to, to understand a couple of things. First, he it, this is a, a vocalization of his thankfulness for the partnership this church has given to him in, in his life and in his ministry. And as Paul is writing this letter, he's in prison. He's in Roman prison, and he is under a great deal of, of probably stress and difficulty at this time. But in this moment, he says that he gives thanks. He's praying, and he gives thanks for them, for their partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. And that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's kind of a, an odd transition that he makes there from a prayer of thankfulness to um, now kind of giving them this encouragement to be mindful of, of God who's continuing a great work in them. So Paul draws out a couple of things as, as he begins here. That God's work for us began when Christ died for us on the cross and, our, and in our place. We talked about that last week in the celebration of Jesus' life. Um, that God's work began on the cross. That was a work that began for us. But now as believers, his work in us begins when we first believe. So now that this work, this sanctification, this work of, of his spirit in our life, forming us and shaping us is taking place right now as, as believers. And the Holy Spirit lives within us, enabling us to be more like Christ every day. So Paul is, is taking these few verses and in here describing the process of Christian growth and maturity that began when we first accepted Christ and continues until his return. That should give us some hope that even though um, things today don't look maybe all that great, God is still carrying his word. God is still mindful of us and knows that he, he has this end goal in mind of what he wants us to look like. And that's Jesus. And so he knows that this work is going to continue up until the day when he returns. If we jump down to verses 9 through 11, it says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what Paul is trying to get them to see here is that their love should begin to produce qualities in their life as they grow, that they would have a greater knowledge of Christ and a deeper insight or discernment. Now, I know that in my own life, you know, I can think back to when I first began following Jesus. And if I look at my life now compared to then, I can see that there's been a great deal of, of growth. And sometimes there's great spurts and sometimes plateaus and even some declines. And, and that's part of, of growing in our relationship with God. Even though sometimes we may be going backwards, 
God still hasn't given up on us. God still pursues us. God continues to draw us back to him so that we continue to be molded and shaped into who he is. Uh, this, this deeper insight and this deeper discernment all comes from growing in this love that Paul talks about here. Our love of God propels our desire for a deeper and greater knowledge of him. I know that, that there are times that I can look back on my life when, when I was just growing and desiring to, to be closer to God, that, that I was thirsting and had this hunger for his word and for his presence in my life, and I sought it out. And, and that's part of growing in this maturity. And hopefully these are things that continue to happen for you today. I know in my life, sometimes I struggle in this, that, that there are times when, when God seems almost like an afterthought. But that's not what we need to be um, focused on. That's not where we need to be living. We need to be focused and living in this place where our love is growing in maturity, to grow in our knowledge of Christ, and deeper in this insight, in, the, in this discernment. Our love for God um, grows deeper, and our love for God um, draws us to places of obedience and places of um, sometimes uncomfortableness, to get us to a place where, where we're obedient, to where he's leading us to serve and love somebody else, um, to give us greater insight and understanding into his word and what it has to say to us. And I like this other phrase that Paul uses here towards the end of, of this passage here at verse 11. Um, well, let's start in verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So this fruit of righteousness, this life that, that produces um, fruit that, that honors God, fruit that speaks to the goodness of God, fruit in our life that, that shows that we are following him, that, that we have put aside things in our, in our life that, that maybe have pulled us away. And so, this growing in suffering um, is very important. God does some amazing work in our hearts and in our lives in these times of suffering. And, and it's this opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to be changed and to be more like him. Also, in, in chapter 1 here, we get another perspective, too, of, of Paul's. Um, not only is he encouraging this church to grow, during times of suffering, suffering, but he's trying to get them to change their perspective in suffering. If we jump down to verses 12 through 14, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, Paul was writing this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome. And Paul saw this time in prison as an opportunity to preach the gospel. In fact, God used it to advance the gospel into the Roman Empire, into the very heart of the Roman Empire. And so Paul saw this differently than maybe some of us sometimes do. Paul understood his circumstances were less important than what he did in them. 
Paul used this as an opportunity to influence these Roman soldiers. Um, we see not only here in Philippians, but in his other letters and in the book of Acts and many places there, we see where Paul would go into places and would present and preach the gospel. He did not hold back. He looked and was expertly skilled in ways to, to talk about the gospel in the circumstances, in the culture, in the surroundings that he was in. So it would be no surprise that, that Paul is influencing these guards that are around him at this time. Probably some of them would have got tired of hearing of his proclamation of Jesus and what he had done for him and what he could do for them. But Paul was, was faithful nonetheless. So not only was he influencing the Roman guards, but he encouraged other Christians that were around him and that were afraid of persecution. Paul, Paul knew that um, his imprisonment was very visible, not only to um, his disciples, those that were around him, those that helped him, but into uh, those that knew of his situation and circumstances. So these were other Christians that were probably in similar situations, times of persecution, times where where living out your faith and speaking the name of Jesus was difficult. And so Paul was using this as an opportunity to influence those Christians around him who may have been afraid of persecution. Paul used this time in prison to write letters to the churches, to further his teaching, to bring correction, to bring encouragement. These letters would later make up the majority of the New Testament. Um, Paul did not see his time in prison as an opportunity to feel sorry for himself. He didn't see this as a time when he would just kind of sit back and, and throw himself this pity party. But he, he saw this as these circumstances were less of, an, of important to him than what it was of being obedient to God. He understood his circumstances were things that could bring God glory. And if we look at our own life, we can see, too, that our circumstances sometimes um, affect our outlook. We allow sometimes our circumstances to define our responses to those circumstances. But maybe we need to ask ourselves a different question as we find ourselves where we are. Is what does God want to do in them? We experience, and we experience, and sometimes are experiencing, um, financial issues, uh, burdens of different types with with family or friends, uh, conflicts within our families, within our church, um, job loss, cutbacks. All of these different types of things are situations and circumstances where we find ourselves in today. Situations and circumstances of isolation, of um, of feeling cut off, maybe even from God himself. And we can look at these, these situations we find ourselves in and feel sorry for ourselves and, and, and really um, maybe even blame God. But these, like Paul, are opportunities for us to be obedient despite what's happening. And it, it requires a change in our perspective. Our response in these situations actually reflect what we believe about God. If, do we believe that God is good? Do we believe that God is faithful? Do we believe that God keeps his promises? Do we believe that God has something 
more than what we settle for? Do we believe these things about God? Our, our response to our situation speaks to a lot of what we believe about God. So the question we can begin asking ourselves, or some series of questions actually, is how can I respond in faith and trust in these situations? How can I display the message of the gospel in my life? Do I resent God for the situations that I find myself in today or where I'm placed? Do I hold God to be at fault for what's happening around me? And am I responding to those things in a way that I find myself as a victim of my circumstances? Or can I be like how Paul modeled here, where I can have a different perspective and allow God to grow and change my perspective and allow my circumstances to be something that speaks loudly of the gospel in my life and the effect that it's had on my life and what God wants to do in my life. When we speak fearlessly for Christ or live faithfully for him in difficult circumstances and situations, we naturally encourage those around us to do the same. Be an encouragement by the way you live and the way that you speak. I know many people who are going through some hard and difficult times, health issues and situations that are choosing to look to God and respond in faith instead of in fear or in resentment or anger. The next thing we can look about or look at is in our times of suffering is looking for joy. We're going to jump down to verses 18 through 21 in chapter 1, and it says this, But what does it matter? The important thing that is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In this passage that just preceded this, Paul is addressing some um, people that are proclaiming the gospel in a way that puts Paul in a bad light, that kind of um, makes him look like he's at fault for what's happening. And, and Paul is just saying that he's rejoicing that despite what their intentions are and despite the situation that Paul finds himself in, that he is overjoyed that the, the gospel of Christ is being presented and preached. And, and as this, the rest of this passage progressed that we just read here this morning, we see that Paul, he could have easily become depressed, discouraged, or disillusioned in his circumstances. He could have had a pity party. He, instead, he allowed God to use his circumstances to advance the gospel. Paul's perspective here is key for us as we respond to our situations and our circumstances. We talked earlier about growing in God's love that changes us. It grows our knowledge and our discernment, and it produces this fruit of righteousness in our lives. It changes our values. The things that God does in our life, it changes us. We can't help but be changed by having an experience with Jesus. And so not only does it change 
um, change our eternity, but, but the knowledge, growing in this knowledge of God, growing in discernment, changes our values, the things that we hold dear, the things that, that we once thought were important, God changes and points us to the things that are important according to him. So those that don't believe in God, and you can even think back to times in your own life before you believed, that people who don't believe in God will value what this world offers. And we know these things. It's money. It's popularity. It's pleasure. It's stature. It's all these things that speak to this self-image and this idol of self. But Paul gives us a different example. And he gives us an eternal perspective. See, Paul here was talking about giving away his life because giving away his life ultimately meant for the glory of the gospel. It meant that, that, that the message of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed in every area. It meant that this kingdom perspective that Paul had for his own life, that he can give his life away here, and when he does, he gets to spend the rest of eternity with Jesus. And so he had a different perspective. He knew that his life here needed to account for the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And giving that life away meant that he could spend eternity with Jesus. This different value system and perspective gives us a different purpose. No longer are we living to this life and this image of ourself, but we're living a life abandoned to the message and the hope of the gospel, a life abandoned to the obedience of Christ. Paul says to die, how does he say this here? To live as Christ and to die is gain. So we win either way. We live in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus, following and obeying him. And to die, and we just get to be with him. We get to be in his presence and, and be a part of, of knowing that of what he accomplished in and through our lives. Paul saw that to give away our lives for the sake of Christ and the gospel was the ultimate purpose. In Philippians 1, 27 through 30, it says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that, you will, that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to, to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. When we have the perspective of joy in our suffering, not only do we align ourselves with, with what Paul is talking about here in his example, but we align ourselves with the life of Christ. When we look back at, at Jesus' life and, and he's talking to his disciples in John 16, 33, he tells them this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is trying to get us to understand that suffering for the sake of Christ aligns our heart and our spirit with him. Jesus gave his life away for the message of God. God wanted us to see and understand and hear that he was for us, that he desired this relationship, that he desired us to join him. 
to align ourselves with him. We've talked about in a few messages past about this, this idea of abiding. And this abiding means this intertwining, this, this part of our life that becomes fused with Jesus. And that needs to be our heart and our desire. So God brings this, this through our lives, um, oftentimes in this, these points of suffering where we take these times as opportunities to realign ourselves with the things that ultimately matter, to realign ourselves with the perspective that Jesus, that the Father has about our life and about the world around us. Suffering allows us to take our eyes off of earthly comforts, the things that, that just draw us and hold us back. It strengthens our faith as we endure. When we can endure this time, we come out stronger. And then when the next time comes, we know that God proved himself faithful then, he proved himself faithful now, and he proves himself faithful in the future. Suffering serves as an example to those around us, and our response to suffering serves as an example to those around us. So as we look at our lives today, as we consider what we're going through, and we consider our heart and our perspective, as we're going through these things, what is it that we're communicating? Now, sometimes we look at, at suffering and we think that it's something that we're producing in our own life, that it's because we've done something wrong. I want to tell you that suffering oftentimes means that we're doing something right, that we are being faithful, that suffering produces things in our life. My dad used to tell me, that um, when he was asking me to do something hard or difficult, when, um, when I was having to do the right thing in a difficult time, he would tell me that it builds character. And I hated that as a kid. I hated when my dad would tell me, well, it, it'll build character. I, I didn't want character. I wanted comfort. I wanted things to be easy at that time. And the Father tells us the same thing. He's building things within us through this suffering. And so, like I said, it's, it's a different type of perspective. So suffering doesn't always mean we've done something wrong, but rather it proves that we've been faithful. As followers of Jesus, we're in conflict with those who discredit the message of the gospel. So sometimes this, this time of suffering is a result of what we're standing up for. This time of suffering is a result of of standing in resistance to what the world says is right or is okay. So when we endure these things, we're proclaiming, once again, the message of the gospel with our life, with our words, with our actions. But Paul also gives us something here that we need to understand too. He, he tells us that we're unified with those that are also working to advance the gospel. That that we stand united with those that are also suffering, that we are standing united with those that, that are trying to promote the same message, this gospel of Jesus. So the message here is not to go out and, and to seek suffering as if there's more virtue in pain. Like we can point to that and say, man, I'm some kind of Christian because I endured that. That's not what the message is here. And the message is not to to seek out suffering. The message is not to make things difficult on ourselves, but the message is to stand with those that, that maybe are enduring, 
suffering. The message here is to be present with those that are currently suffering. We can share with those who are in need. We have plenty, and there are those around us that don't. And standing with those that are suffering and, and coming alongside and sharing with those that are in need is, again, the message of the gospel. If we're not suffering, but, but we see somebody who is, who, who needs somebody to stand up for them, we can use our influence to work for justice and for mercy. We can use our resources to give generously to those, again, who are in need or to those that are advancing the message of the gospel. It's to willingly walk with someone else in their pain. We all know people who are going through hard and difficult times. And I'll be honest, as a pastor, as I hear these different things going on in each of your lives, it's hard for me to, to remember this person and this person and this person and, and not forget about this person and that person and realize that we're all going through things. And it breaks my heart knowing that each one of you face and are experiencing different things. And my heart is with you. But we're invited as followers of Jesus to willingly walk with someone through their pain, through their time of difficulty and need. Living like this is a testimony to the truth of the gospel. And my iPad just quit. So I've lost myself in my notes here. Here we go. Usually when um, I begin a message or a series and we're talking about, like this series, we're talking about joy, I like to define what joy is as we begin. But I think it's important here for us to understand what joy is as we conclude and finish our time together. I love this definition that I found. Believers can, be, can have profound contentment, serenity, and peace no matter what happens. This joy comes from knowing Christ personally and from depending on his strength rather than our own. We can have joy even in hardship. Joy does not come from outward circumstances, but from inward strength. As Christians, we must not rely on what we have or what we experience, but to enjoy Christ within us. So this morning, as we think back and we look through this, as we realize that, that God gives us opportunities in suffering. And we've titled this series Joy. So there's joy in the growth in suffering. There's joy in this perspective in suffering. There's joy in the suffering itself, knowing that God is producing this fruit of righteousness. So this morning, I don't know where this message finds you today. But I know for me, in my own heart, my own life, that I tend to look at my situation and my circumstances and, and see myself as a victim of them sometimes. Rather, just like Paul and like Jesus, they invite us to change our perspective. They invite us to change how we're looking at where we find ourselves today. They invite us to participate in this life and this message of Jesus to advance the gospel, to advance this message that Jesus has for the world. 
So the invitation is for us today. What will your response be today? What will be the way that you respond? What will be the way that you look at what's happening to you today? Can you find joy? Can you understand that Jesus, that the Father, wants us in this time of suffering to count it as joy? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we come to you, as we've heard your word, as we hear this testimony of Paul, as we see the testimony of your life lived out, Father, help us to choose to perceive our situation and circumstances in the light of joy. Because what you are doing in us and what you desire to do through us as a result of where we find ourselves today. Father, I pray that we don't um, dismiss what we experience and dismiss what's happening to us without taking the time and the opportunity to allow you to speak to us in these times. That we don't dismiss this as, as something that we're just going to get through. But did you want to deeply do something within our hearts and lives to change us, to mold us, to become more like you? So, Father, change our heart today. Change our perspective. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to live this life that is a testimony to the gospel. Do this work in each one of us today. We pray and we ask these things, Father, in your name. Amen.